another spectacular episode of Dragon Age Normandy FM Thetis Edition. Still not sticking, is it, Ken? Nope. We still can't find a, a good version of this, can we? Yeah, nope. it was so obvious. It was it was Normandy FM colon Boogie Nights colon Dragon Age. <laughs> well, shit. You are right. You are right. <laughs> Of course, I am Eric Van Allen, joined by Kenneth Shepard, and today we finally have a guest once again. Caitlin is back. We are so happy to have you here. Hello. I'm happy to be here, especially given what we're talking about today. Oh, God. Of that makes I mean, exactly is... one person here that is happy to be here right now. <laughs> I mean, this is the same thing we do whenever in Mass Effect when we talk about Asari. We'd be like, we need to hit Ginny up. Like, let's get Ginny on the show. So this is like... This is just pandering, I guess. This is like we bring on Natalie to talk about Turians. Yeah. It's called having an expert in the field. Yes. It is. It is. And Y'all are doing very... your journalistic due diligence. Mm-hmm. It's a dark field. It's a dangerous field. So Yeah, we... that's why I like it. That's the point. Gotta, we got a beat reporter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one quick note for those of you who are avid listeners out there. You might be asking yourselves, hey, wait a minute. I thought this episode was coming next week. Well, fun fact, uh, we had a bit of a snafu. It turns out that if you have played... Here's, I'll, I'll explain it from my perspective. I had played through the three main quests that lead into the endgame of Awakening. Uh, the three that we talked about in the last episode. And I had not had all my companions complete their Grey Warden joining yet. But... Every time I tried to talk to the Seneschal, he'd just be like, you want to go to war? Let's go kill Darkspawn. Uh, and would not let me induct them into the Grey Wardens. And it was showing in my journal as that they were not Grey Wardens. So their companion stuff was not advancing. So Ken and I made an executive decision after much deliberation. Uh, much that... deliberation. <laughs> <laughs> we jumped on the chance. I wanted to sound like we really put some heart and soul into it, but we are not covering the companion quests in depth. Uh, I have briefed myself on what the content of them is. Uh, they mostly seem interesting, if not, you know, they didn't really do much for me in terms of changing how I feel about the characters. So uh, I still think Justice is great. I still don't like Ogren, you know? <laughs> It's, I'm about at the same place where I've always been with a lot of these characters. So, um, And strangely enough, when I finished the game, it thought I had done some companion quests that I had not done. So that was also very interesting. Awakening is a very interesting game. It's a very well-polished and good game that I'm, knows I'm what a, it's about not, at I'm all not points. About, I'm not going to dump on the developers. Making video games is difficult, but apparently this one was much more difficult than other video games. So... We're jumping right into the end game of Awakening. Uh, we've got three missions that all kind of mold into one contiguous end game mass: uh, the assault on Amaranthine, followed by the siege of Vigil's Keep, and then the depths of de- depravity, which is why yeah. Caitlin is here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when we start with the assault on Amaranthine, which is essentially Darkspawn have gathered outside the city of Amaranthine, and they're sieging it and we have to go uh try and save it 
this reminds me a lot of the end game of Dragon Age Origins. Like I was just immediately like, we're doing this again. This is the same. Mm. This, is the, this is the same. The same thing happened there. And, really? and once that, well, once that mission started too, I was like, yep, this is this is the end of Origins. This is what the end of Origins was. The Darkspawn army is marching towards the city, and we That's have to so run in and try and deal with it. Because I felt, like, totally different. I felt, like, the complete opposite the first time I played it, but it's also been a really long time since the first time I played it. I will say it quickly got more interesting. I think it branches uh, in a very interesting way, unlike yeah, how like I liked the yes. I liked the whole, like, you have to choose between Vigil's Keep and Amaranthine. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like, all of that felt different to me, but I can totally see what you're saying, though. So once we get there, uh, we have to choose a squad and roll out, and this ends up having a bit more consequence than I expected it to. So that all of this is to say that I thought the setup was very Origins, but they put an interesting enough twist on it that I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, you roll out with your squad, and once you have kind of secured the outer part of Amaranthine, you get told that the city is basically lost uh it's been invaded there's sickness everywhere people are just dying uh the commander basically estimates that there's nobody left alive inside or nobody able to be saved left inside uh meanwhile you also talk to a dark spawn who warns you that the mother's forces are now marching towards vigil's keep and so you have to make a decision to either stay in amaranthine and destroy the forces that are there or head back to vigil's keep but in order to keep the forces that are behind you that are in the city from chasing you all the way to the keep and adding to the forces there you have to burn the city down and stop them uh i'm gonna go right ahead and say it i burned the city Mm. (laughs) i i torched that place uh my reasoning was a, I didn't have much of an attachment to Amaranthine. We haven't spent a lot of time there, even in side quests and things like that. I don't think they did a great job, at least in the times that I've been playing this game, of really endearing you to the idea of the city and and like what it could mean and what it means to torch it. I feel like if there had been some sort of character that you know and love dying in the blaze or something like that, that would have been a more interesting decision. But as it was... From what I understood, my choices were basically either leave the party members I had back in Vigil's Keep to die and save a city that's already kind of ruined and so really all I'm saving is a bunch of stones and rocks, or go save the people that matter, keep a fortress standing, and keep the Grey Wardens alive. And that was that was kind of my justification for lighting a city on fire and letting its citizens burn. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gotta Ken, make the hard Ken, decision. Ken, what what did you decide? Our, our resident renegade. What was your decision? Well, so I'm gonna. It's gonna be a kind of a recurring theme of this episode. Is I made a lot of decisions that are not gonna be reflected when I get to Dragon Age Two because Dragon Age Two has my canon save in it, and that was when I gave a shit about Dragon Age Origins and Awakening as video games. So. The interesting thing here is that you can save both, but you have to have upgraded Vigil's Keep in various ways across, like, the whole game. You have to go clear out, the, mm. like, the basement of where all those Dark Spawn are coming in, 
And if you do that, and then you, like, kind of, like, trust that you have done enough that Vigil's Keep is defensible, you can stay at Amaranthine and, uh, you know, go through that entire mission, and you end up saving both of them. It's not necessarily something that you see outright, but you see it in uh, the epilogue of this mm-hmm. game. So, but, because I don't give a shit about this game and I want to get Dragon Age 2 as quick as possible, I just torched Amaranthine knowing full well that the thing that I would have done in the event that I actually liked being in this game in any form for any amount of time, that version of me from, like, ten years ago is going to be reflected when we get to Dragon Age 2. So. So you're not carrying forward this save no. from Awakening no. into your next playthrough. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that's interesting that that is an option, but I don't know. It's not well, Caitlin, it's not well telegraphed. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah. Like, it's not like a Mass Effect 2 suicide mission thing where they make it totally No, but clear. it does kind of feel like, I don't think the timing is right, but it does feel like the precursor to that kind of. Um, mm. which again, I don't know if the timing is right on that or not. I feel like it's not, but I don't know years. Right. You, you, uh, can, you can at least tell that they like were learning from each other in the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Awakening is, Awakening is my favorite Dragon Age game, honestly. It's not the best one by any stretch, but it is my favorite because of how fucking wild it is. And... So I loved spending every minute that I spent in it. So I did do all of the fortress stuff. Um, so then when I went to save Amaranthine, because I felt bad about leaving all those people to die, unlike Eric, <laughs> um, my oh. keep did stay end. <laughs> so I guess I'm just better at being warden commander is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, hey, look, I'm not going to doubt that. no but yeah i just like i really really enjoyed my time with it so i put a lot of extra time into the extra shit you could do and so i did end up getting that like quote-unquote better ending i guess right i'm interested to know caitlin as now that we finally have someone who likes this game on our podcast Mm -hmm. uh how like you you mentioned that you you enjoyed spending time in that world and and, Mm -hmm. like the way it was do you think I've wondered this, and so I, I want to get your your take. Do you think that Awakening lends itself well to a critical path run, or do you think it's more of a this this was something that was meant to be enjoyed over time, play as much as you can of it? Because I've been trying to like suss this out with all the games that we play is whether they lend themselves well to just playing through the designated stuff that it tells you like this is the main thing, this is what you need to do. Or whether it's a game that benefits more from, like a lot of Dragon Ages do, being like, okay, you're going to spend a lot of time doing things in this world, and they're all they all might interlink in some way, but it's really more about like playing a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, I think Awakening is better at it than Origins, just because it's smaller. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of it is like more contained in scope. Um, I'm trying to think and, like, not think with my, like, on my bullshit brain. Um, I mean, it kind of, I have a friend who talks about Elder Scrolls and Elder Scrolls lore, and they always talk about how, like, if you just want to play, like, a fun fuck-around fantasy game, you can do that, but there's also, like, all this really deep shit if you want to look for it, and that's kind of how I feel about Awakening, where, like, if you do the critical stuff, like, yeah, it's fine, you'll understand, like, the shit with Justice and Anders, um 
and, you know, the position that the Grey Wardens are in going into two or whatever, but all of the extra stuff, like, I feel like, I think that the elf stuff in Inquisition fucking sucks, but I think that if you really dig into Valana and her side quests and her story, that that stuff gets a little bit more interesting if you relate it back to her. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess your mileage may vary on that one. I keep going back and forth on it because I, I don't mean to, to make it sound like I think the, the side stuff in this in this game is like non-critical by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Dragon Age actually makes a greater point of trying to have some of its side quests play in, like we talked about with if you had done all the stuff in it, in Vigil's Keep, the basement, and preparing the walls and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, you could leave Vigil's Keep, and that was you know, like your reward. That was like the canonical story narrative reward for engaging with the game. Whereas, I think about Mass Effect, and I think a lot of that stuff tends to be much more integrated into the main narrative. Like, they're definitely like you can go into the suicide mission and not have gotten the upgrades and then pay the price for that like that Mm -hmm. exists but the whole time bioware is kind of standing there with like a blinking neon sign that says buy the upgrades have you bought the upgrades yet you should really get the upgrades you should really make sure that you have these three specific upgrades before you fly through that relay whereas in dragon age they're basically like hey there's like quest markers over here if you want to go do that stuff and maybe that might be something interesting there but it's up to you to decide how much you want to engage with it i kind of like that though just especially like narratively as the um you know like as the warden commander it is asking you like as a leader what are you prioritizing and like you know unlike the suicide squad or i almost said suicide squad mission that's not right um unlike the suicide mission in um mass effect if like if you fuck that up you really really fuck that up Whereas with this, like, it it sucks if Vigils Keep falls or whatever, but, like, you know, it, it's not, like, a game over screen for that, you know what I mean? Like, and it kind of makes sense in juxtaposition of, again, like, where you're at in the story as the Warden Commander of, like, hey, did you prioritize this place before, or are you going to prioritize it now? Like, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it is an interesting dynamic. I, I actually do. It's and that's why I keep like harping on this beat whenever we talk about this is that I feel Dragon Age isn't conducive to Norm DFM the way that Mass Effect was in some ways because uh, I mean, we are trying to forge a critical path through these, right? Like we're not basically like playing what we want each week and then kind of reassessing and talking about that stuff and Granted, some of that is because Ken and I aren't gelling with Dragon Age, whereas I imagine with Dragon Age 2, mm. we might have more situations where we come in and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, I just decided to play this side quest because, you know, it was fun. I wanted to do this. And with Inquisition, that's definitely going to happen because that's kind of the only way to get through that game is to play everything. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think just with Origins specifically, it's, it's such a... I keep trying to nail down exactly how I feel about this game. It's always very difficult because of just how it it just feels unlike other games that Bioware has done in a lot of ways. I feel like once we get past Origins and Awakening, like 2 and Inquisition start to look a lot more like what Mass Effect is and 
even when you go back to kotor that stuff is much more straightforward and and narrow in its in its understanding but dragon age feels very much like the only comparison you have is like much older bioware stuff like you know you're never winter nights and things like that so um it's just an interesting game structurally but once we do make our decision um so so caitlin ended up saving amaranthine and vigils keep they have the best warden commander yeah and um for for us can we just let that city burn and we went back and fought some 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 bad dudes at vigils keep uh a lot of ogres a lot a lot of ogres they really whoever was making this end game sequence was just like man you know what you didn't fight enough of in the main game ogres let's fight some more of those they got armor uh, out yeah they're all like armored up and you get they they also do the thing i felt like in the end game they were very much like we need to bring back some of those mechanics that we had in the end game of of origins because all of a sudden that wheel pops down again and you mm-hmm. just have like forces on the, yeah. the right hand side and i don't and, and like a sniper like a or an archer sniper that can take yeah. out and that part that part was cool i thought that was i thought that was interesting yeah, yeah i think the wheel like, is better implemented in this than it was in um origins yeah. honestly yeah i thought i thought the ability stuff was interesting and even gets carried forward in the next area that we go to uh in an interesting way as well but the yeah. the thing that i didn't really click with was it it seemed like they didn't explain what the infantry situation was yeah. and so i i just kind of like had infantry i guess and i didn't realize that they were out and i was like switching between them or something and for the most part i never really engaged with it because my party like my characters are so disgustingly overpowered at this point that all of the mobs are just trash mobs to them yeah. you know they they all died a few hits so i just kind of stormed through this whole section like that was the other thing is that i felt outside of a few situations like when the seneschal uh dies fighting and all that sacrifices his life and all that i didn't feel like there was a lot of um drama to this moment whereas from what i was reading of what happens if you choose to stay in amaranthine uh there is much more drama to it because you're kind of flashing back and forth to the things that are happening at the keep while you're not there and that seems like it would create much more dramatic tension than what we had at vigil's keep so Mm. i think i ultimately chose the the wrong (laughs) the wrong side but yeah, also, funny how letting a bunch of people burn to death might not have been the best call. Well, everybody dies in Dragon Age. Everybody dies at some point. Except know? for Liliana. What if, what if we all just walk outside and get sick, and then whoever dies, dies? Oh, God, I hate the real world. <laughs> it's, it's bad out there, y'all. It's real bad. I, I promised myself we would get X number of minutes into this uh, podcast without a coronavirus reference, and... I did not make it. Was, Way to date the show. I know. I feel bad. That's my fault, y'all. That's all <laughs> me. Um. So after we've we've fought through all this, we've we've fought in Amaranthine and we have fought in Sigil's Vigil's Keep. Uh, we now know that the mother is bad news. That the mother is directly attacking us. We don't really. <sighs> 
I'm still at this point in this game, y'all. I I'm still just I don't understand what the like driving force behind these darkspawn characters are the architect and the mother i'm, I'm kind of just going like okay they they attacked us so i guess we got to go kill them now and that's about it we don't really have like a driving yeah it, uh, they reason, they introduce like, stuff very late for these characters very late yeah well and, there's also like this is another thing we're going back to the critical path stuff mm-hmm. um there's like codex entries about both of them that kind of lay shit out also you this is another they started doing this shit early with the whole let's pull from the books to talk about a bad guy um because the architect is in one of the darkspawn books oh okay mm. that makes yeah. sense so mm. it's a book thing it's a book thing <laughs> um and then like the stuff like some of the stuff with the mother um is explained in like a codex entry and then you know her dialogue when you fight her and shit um but yeah. I do. I remember the architect's motivations being a lot more clear than the mother's. Yeah, hundred um, yes, percent. I think my ultimate feeling, and, and I, well, we don't need to talk about that yet. We can get there. We'll get there organically. Don't worry. Uh, so we take off to go fight the mother, which we now learn uh, is in like it was. It's called like the dragon wastes or something. It was something really metal sounding. Uh, the Dragon Bone Wastes. It's a really good name for a secret hideout. And uh, it looks fucking cool. It's it's like, uh, it reminded me of that part in The Lion King. Where yeah, it looks the like the elephant graveyard, graveyard but like yeah. fantasy-y. I was into that. I was into all the fights that were happening here, even though I don't like fighting the children, because I think that those specific enemies are super annoying to fight. Uh... A dragon shows up near the mm-hmm. end which is rad and the game's just like okay I, I up to this point you've only had to if you went through origins you only had to fight one dragon and now they're basically going like okay fight a dragon again like let's see if you're better at this now than you were back then and that was that was cool i like that yeah the game literally screams vibe check and throws a dragon at you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we descend into the depths of the depravity and the badness and the evil. And uh, this is where one of those interesting mechanics comes in because as we're moving through the, I, I kept wanting to call it the basement, but it's Drake's fall, uh, not mother's basement. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> don't don't bla- put my fanfic on read like this, Eric. <laughs> um as once once we as we go through there there are a bunch of towers that we kind of get a vague little quest entry about like hey there's some crystals here that might be interesting if you do stuff with it and at the base of each tower is a little place where you can socket those crystals in and those eventually turn into abilities that you can use during the final boss fight of the game which i thought was super rad i really dug this as as someone who is like a okay there's a little bit of backstory for eric i'm a full metal alchemist fan uh-huh. brotherhood is like one of my favorite animes ever and it reminded me of that scene in brotherhood where the father's plan is working and all that and then all of a sudden they're like haha actually we've got an alchemy circle too and it's working against you haha 
that was me i nerded out about that sorry that's like my nerdy (laughs) part of the podcast (laughs) um but this this area is super interesting because there's a bunch of i it's interesting you brought up codexes because this is the part where i finally started caring about codex entries and the lore because we both meet uh the architect here and get some backstory on who the architect actually is which is they're actually a really cool character Mm -hmm. and we also there was an item that i ended up looking up what it was because its name caught my eye it was like yeah vestments of Earthemiel. that uh i was like oh hey what does that mean it's like oh that was the name of an old god and all that kind of stuff i was like oh cool this place actually feels like it has lore and stuff like that so uh, at this point, I was finally caring about the codexes and the lore again. But we do finally get to meet the architect uh, who tries to wave a um, a white flag and says, I want, I want truce, like parlay, let's talk. I'm trying to cure the Darkspawn. Like the Darkspawn, as he explains it, are basically uh, enthralled to the call and are... are forced to look for archdemons and to hold the blight even though it results in the constant death of their people and the architect wants to free them of that and the only way that he can do that is by reversing the uh the gray warden process by using the darkspawn drink gray spawn gray warden blood and that takes away the the calling and the drive to seek out the archdemon and all that um, and we have a choice here about whether we want to work with the architect or not. Um, and this is, I messed up here, Can Man. Mm. I so at this point, I had my party was Justice and uh, Valana and Anders. Mm. And Anders doesn't like start signing with the architect, but you can persuade him. Valana. Uh, is totally down with siding with the architect. Mm-hmm. But if you have justice, mm. you have to have a lot of stuff cleared mm-hmm. for him to be cool with siding with the architect. Right. And I tried it multiple times thinking it might just be a dice roll or not, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So I legitimately went from that part of the level all the way back to the world map, back to Vigil's Keep, took justice out of my party, put okran in and then went back to that part (laughs) so i so i didn't have to murder justice i thought you were gonna say that you were sad about the valana thing um so that's i oh we went right by the valana stuff oh Oh, i didn't have i didn't have her with me so i didn't see any of this oh okay yeah we'll talk we'll talk about that in a moment first i want to hear ken what you thought about the architect decision and what decision you ended up making and what consequences mm. it had. I th- Thank you for reminding me of that, Caitlin. I think it is, a, you know, like we talked about with Origins, like they managed to, in spite of all the things I don't like about this game, like the la- that last decision that they put is very interesting to me in a way that the rest of the game's just not. Like the same way it was with the Morgan uh, old god baby situation. Um, because like, so like short term, we could theoretically have an ally against the mother and that this, you know, problem that we're dealing with right now. But long-term, the architect is talking about, like, ending the blight in general. Like, the very reason that we drink dark spawn blood and then hear the calling when we get older and 
walk into the deep roads and die. And, like, it's a really interesting, holistic solution to basically the entire point of the character we've been playing this entire time. So, when I hear that there's a way for me to possibly end all of this in one fell swoop, I'm like, alright, I'm down with that. But, for all the same reasons you did, Justice turned against me, and Sigrun did as well. And Oh, you had Sigrun with you too. And those are the only two characters in Awakening that I actually give a shit about. And so I thought about it, and I was like, I could do what you did, and like just reload a bunch of saves, and then come back with people that I know are going to be like totally down with what I'm doing here. But again, the same with Amaranthine. I'm going to import a save that plays how I did when I gave a shit about this game, and I'm not going to have to worry about having, like, having to exist in a world where my warden killed Justice and Sigrun. So I just let it be. And it you did felt. not let it be. Okay, I let it be. I just you know maybe kicked over a can of gasoline and tossed a match and looked the other way. But you <laughs> murdered those people with your own hands. They tried to murder me first. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see how it is. It, 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 that is how it happened. That is the order of operations here. You get a little mad about a little war crime, and now. You're, you're going to be all high and mighty about just murdering two people. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. the one that commits war crimes. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Caitlin, how, how, did, how did you... Do you remember how you ended up siding on this one? Um, I've done it both ways. Um, shocker. But I did originally trust the architect. Um... And I think because I had, like, I had Valana, I never, ever had Justice in my party if I didn't have to. <laughs> um, so I think I had Valana, Nathaniel, and Sigrun. Mm. And I think I had done Sigrun's quest, so I was able to convince her that it was okay. Mm. I think that's the thing you can do. Yeah, yeah that, that is a thing you can do. And I think doing a lot of that stuff probably would have helped in the long run. Shoutouts to Awakenings quest structure for not letting me do that. Because um, Sigrun was actually, I think, one of the characters that I had not inducted into the Great mm. Wardens. <laughs> oh, that's super frustrating. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was just a case of the, the architect makes a lot of sense here. He's trying to do good he's he's trying to fix things i'm not crazy about the way he's doing it but he also makes the promise that you're not going to see him again now whether it actually happens or not we will find out but uh i i thought he was interesting as a character and becomes more interesting once you end up fighting through the last bit and finally meeting up with the mother herself and you have one final bit of dialogue between the architect and the mother that ends up being kind of i feel the narrative cornerstone of this whole dlc this like Mm -hmm. one specific moment uh in which you find out that the architect was just kind of a dark spawn that had figured this stuff out but they were uh trying to change the arch demon and ended up causing the the blight. blight which was a very interesting twist. I like that a lot. 
Uh, and then also the mother was a creation of the architects that had gone awry and, and she was kind of rising up. And so that's why it was called like the dark spawn civil war. And all. I didn't know that's why it was called that until then. But can, uh, so this is the part where I'm like, no, the mother does have lore. Um, <laughs> and it's because like the whole, I mean, aside from the fact that she got turned into, so like the little extra tidbit is that like brood mothers obviously are turned from like the other like humanoid species mm. or whatever um so she was obviously a human woman at one point but like because of the dark song songs like obviously you're basically like no thought had empty um and mm-hmm. so when he woke her up when he did like the awakening or whatever being able not being able to hear the song anymore like now she just has all those traumatic memories and mm. like is just being thrown back into a reality that she had no choice in um and that's why she's like, fuck this, do not do this. And that's why she's like with the children. She's like, no, I don't want them to like have to deal with this. Like no one should have to deal with this. Mm. Um, so that's like her actual motivating factor. It's an interesting concept. I think that that feeling of these characters have a very tragic backstory and that them them coming back. I mean, there's the part uh that she has where she sends the first she's talking about the first who's going to get trapped in the fade too she says that's fine because he's going to be able to hear the song again like he's going to be able to to be a dark spawn again the way that they were before yeah and it's that stuff is interesting i think just the thing that ken and i keep coming back to is that the broodmother stuff is also just really grody and, and yeah like, no, the broodmother stuff is like really deeply uncomfortable Mm. yeah it's it's tough because i wanted to i wanted to like the idea of the mother as a character and i think in a vacuum i kind of can but as a whole i just keep running up against that stuff so i don't ken how did you end up feeling about like this this kind of like final staging of these two forces Mm. that we have i do think it's it's like it is interesting that uh they end up kind of it's not like you were necessarily tricked per se, but like you kind of like feel like maybe a residual guilt for what you've done. And you do have, you do have that chance to turn against the architect again in this, but I I guess in that scenario you fight them both at the same time. Anybody can. Uh, he's just there as like a spirit, isn't he? He's just kind of like hanging out. He's not really like there there. Yeah, mm. he's like vibing. Mm. <laughs> so it's not like a, a, a you're fighting two things at once. Then I guess. Um, no, no, the mother oh, ends up, be... is always like the main set piece. Right. Fight. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I guess in that scenario, like, nothing really changes, except you don't have, you know, an ally in the fight to, like, use those extra spells. But, like, you were saying, like, I want to feel, like, you know, I do feel, like, sympathy for everyone involved, because it is, like, clearly a tragedy of errors that everyone has ended up in the place they are. But there's still a part of me that's, like, I don't like being in the, like, proximity of the things that the mother is and like being in that area of the dragon age lore that i think to this day is one of if not the most ill-conceived things in this universe so i don't know like i like i said i feel sympathy for everything that's going on but i also like i'm eager to wash my hands of it any time it gets near me mm. i can understand that you know it's uh yeah and then you gotta fight the mother and it's just a bunch of like tentacles and stuff all slapping you around it's all kind of 
gnarly. <laughs> I ended up doing this fight a couple of times because I would just make a dumb decision or I would not be watching my health bar or whatever. And even on the easiest difficulty, she can do a lot of damage really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, you do get the benefit. <laughs> so... The first thing I did when I played this this fight the first time was I was like, okay, I've got spells. Let's use the spells. And I did both of the fire ones at the same time. Oh, no. Which uh, destroyed my entire party. Yeah. <laughs> and mm. just kind of felt like I, I ended up when I, the run that I beat it on, I didn't use either one of those because I was just like, what's what's the point if it's going to friendly fire on me too? Like, it's if it's just going to hit everyone, like, is there a point to that? Uh, and I guess I could have equipped myself to deal with that better but at that point you know what's if you're that well equipped why not just kill all the stuff and mm. i just kind of rushed down the mother and just did damage and tried to stay alive and drank a lot of potions uh, mm. i had a it, it was a cool fight i like the fight so it was definitely one of the better ones of dragon age origins as a whole right. i think so one of the weird things that happened to me that i guess this wouldn't be an issue when you can more directly click on things um on Xbox, I kept having a problem where, like, I would use a spell that was supposed to, like, um, lock on to an enemy t when I used it, and I could never mm. actually lock on to the mother unless she was the only thing on the field. Oh, so, like, she spawns a lot of stuff. Yeah, like, whether it's her tentacles or the children or whatever. So, if I wanted to hit her, it needed to be something that was, like, either area effect or, like, the the cone of cold. Like, you know, the, the things that I can yeah, directly yeah, yeah. aim yeah. and not have to count on like honing on to enemies um i did end up playing through this three times i think because generally it took me a couple times to realize that i didn't if like the children or her tentacles were out here i didn't need to worry about her in the moment i needed to worry about the things that were surrounding me um i did have some weird stuff where nathaniel like glitched out like he was he's lying down in the middle of the fight like he was dead but he was not like he had full health and Nobody targeted him, but I couldn't make him do anything, so I, mm. he might as well have been dead. And then there were points where Anders was the only person I had left, and he could revive me, but because reviving in this game is, like, an area of effect spell instead of just, like, pick who you want to revive, I would use it thinking I was, like, on top of my character, but no, it was just a fucking... Oh, yeah. It was a fucking dark spawn, dark spawn corpse because everything yeah, in this game looks I've, exactly the same. Yeah. I did that so many times playing like not just this fight but throughout this game I would try to do a revive and I'd think I'd like positioned it perfectly to hit all my party members and it was like no I just respawn one guy and then two dark spawn quartz. Mm. <laughs> so just kind of lying there. Uh it's I ended up just blitzing down the mother and ignoring a lot of the ads cuz um all my like the characters I had didn't have a lot of aoe stuff um and my whole team up to that point had been basically built around uh keeping aggression off my main character mm -hmm. with the tank and then keeping my tank and my main character healed up using the two mages so my rogue could just go to town and do tons of damage so that was the focus and it worked all right but then every time if, if my main character went down it was basically a wipe for the entire yeah. party because my tank didn't do damage my mages didn't really have a lot of offensive spells or or um skilling or anything like that so it the fight ends and we just immediately after one 
another cool like oh yeah killing stuff as a great warden scene we launch into the epilogue like which i didn't read it's not canon on yeah all well unceremoniously launch yeah. into the epilogue and the, like i was uh, i was expecting at least like the whole like thing at the end of origins where like you get to talk to everybody one more time but now the game is kind of okay we're done it's this is all you came for right that's it good job uh and yeah it rolls through a bunch of slides and there are a bunch of things that you find out like oh uh it it basically talks about oh this amaranthine burned so the people who moved into amaranthine later didn't really trust the gray wardens but the gray wardens were super powerful because vigils keep still stood uh and it, it went on about all the different characters all stuff that we kind of know now isn't is either partially or not fully canon uh, in some ways and with like with that in mind it was kind of hard to care about the epilogue knowing that oh this isn't how anders or justice's story is going to go or this isn't like how like what is going to happen to this character and the only thing that i appreciated was that and i don't know if this is different for you ken but for me uh it said my warden eventually ended up relinquishing command to go chasing after a dark-haired sorceress mm. in the west or something yeah. like that and i like that a lot because yep. again that that's like my character's story right. as far as i'm concerned right. so I, I appreciated that that if that was a reflection of the fact that i romanced more again mm. or that i had made those choices at the end of origins to say that's what i wanted my character to do that they reflected that in awakening and i appreciated that a lot yeah. especially after awakening eight the freaking ring <laughs> but well i um i don't know if it was during the same glitch but uh the earrings everyone gave me is gone from my all my stuff so that that's you might fun have gotten the same glitch then yeah yeah mine uh it said like it was, it was a weird thing because i guess like they're writing these things to be like you're hearing this information like secondhand from like various people that like yeah. don't necessarily know what's going on because there was like, a weird line of like oh uh kenneth left to find uh and even crow assassin and legend has it they battled and i was like no they might have sword fought but it was not the way you're talking about so <laughs> i don't know it's, about that it's it's really weird and caitlin i'm interested to hear like how you feel about awakening in terms of the way it does and does not end up playing into dragon age canon as a whole does that like does that change things for you do you not really care about that um, I guess my thing with it is, like, the only thing about it that really matters to me is the fact that, like, it establishes that Anders likes cats, and <laughs> that it kind of establishes the relationship between him and Justice. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't really care, um, about the other stuff that, I don't even really remember what else comes into play later on. Basically um, nothing. But yeah, I think um I think it's fine. I don't know. It's so weird about what it picks and chooses to be like canon anyway that it's kind of hard to like muster the Dragon Age tagline. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm at with Dragon Age, I guess. Like Ken, you and I have had so many conversations about it at this point both on and off the podcast, but like the idea of Dragon Age the continuity is more in the world and not necessarily for the the individual characters like larger 
world state things play an effect but it feels like especially between origins and the rest of the series that stuff is not major and and it shifts viewpoints so much from origins to two to i mean even awakening is kind of its own little section of the world it's very removed from the larger concerns of ferelden and things like that that it ends up all of its little installments end up feeling very disconnected and and just kind of of the same property until we get to inquisition and they try to start tying the whole thing together into one larger narrative again but for for that i think awakening was interesting i think awakening definitely at the time if i played it back when i was really into origins i probably would have enjoyed it more whereas here right now like again we we talk about it a lot but uh trying to fit this into a concise schedule and x amount of play hours a week and uh getting certain things done and uh wanting to progress at a pace that feels it's i i think about it in the way that i sometimes worry i think about games that i review um which i always have this thought come up whenever i review a game is that i'm trying to measure how much of my frustration is from the fact that i'm not making progress and how much of my frustration is from the idea that i'm not making progress against a ticking clock you know an internal ticking clock that i have to hit in embargo time that i have to hit a point where i finish this game and can collect my thoughts and create some sort of holistic understanding of it and in some ways this podcast is that this podcast our broadcast uh recording time is our embargo date every week and we're always pressing up against that with the games we play and for some things let's i mean shoot mass effect 2 what both of us binged our playthrough mm. of that one in like a week yep. <laughs> so uh that one we were like literally having to remind ourselves of what we had played but with dragon age it feels like we're always going up against that deadline and, and mm. dealing with that so i think that largely um, is because we don't fucking like this game and i think like there's part of it this one is like well i mean we've got enough shit going on right now and the rest of the games that we're playing right now that i don't know that i'll be yes. able to Ben's Dragon Age 2, like, I feel like I would if it weren't for, like, Animal Crossing and Persona 5 being, like, things that are always in the back of my mind of things I need to play for, like, work stuff. But I feel like we have dragged ourselves through this game and through this expansion. We have one more week, but, like, it has, I mean, like, I love doing this show. Like, I genuinely do. It's one of my favorite things that I ever, that I do every week. But it has made Mm -hmm. the act of doing this show less enjoyable to me and i think that's just because like <laughs> like and it's not that i don't love making an episode every like the the episode's not the problem it's like the actual playing of like i understand yeah. ken i'm not i'm not yeah. caitlin's feeling awkward we we don't fight in front of in front of them okay i just it's gonna it's gonna scare the guests if we do it here dads are fighting <laughs> i just that's kind of my wrapping thought on it like i I'm ready to get to Dragon Age 2. I'm, I'm fucking over this. I'm ready to go. I, yeah. Caitlin, we've already kind of gotten some of your thoughts on Origins as a whole, but it, if you want to just talk a little bit about how you ended up, how you, how you feel about Origins nowadays, I guess, because it's been, God, it's been a decade since this game came out. It's mm-hmm. been a long time. It's been a while. Um. So I haven't actually played it like in its entirety in a while i did restart it last year when i got my xbox Mm -hmm. um 
I think, like, I, I do need to replay it just to see, but, like, I fucking love that game. I think it's, like, it's my favorite, like, or Awakening and then Origins. Like, I don't know, I never know if to count them as the same thing or not, but, um, those two are my favorites. I don't think they're the best. If I was going to tell someone who wanted to get into Dragon Age which one to start with, they're not the ones I would tell them. But, like, for me personally and everything that I like, they're perfect. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. For me, like, I am going to physically fight Ken at some point. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, they're you're just, gonna, I don't know. They, they vibe very hard for me. Um, so even now, like replaying them i know that there's a lot that doesn't hold up anymore as far as like social commentary and like stuff like that but um just as like a game that i enjoy like i really really still love it i think it's i think it's interesting like i I said this way back when we started dragon age even when we were talking about mass effect that our mass effect seasons were going to be very straightforward because i feel like everyone with the exception of Andromeda, loves Mass Effect. Like, it's everyone I know who has ever sat down and actually played Mass Effect comes away loving that series, no matter what their feelings are on the finale, the way it ends and all that. They still end up coming away loving Mass Effect. The Dragon Age has always felt very different. It feels like rather than having this you know unanimous praise in the center you suddenly turn that on its side and now it's dynamic highs and dynamic lows like oh i love this dragon age but i hate this dragon age or i Mm -hmm. love this character but i hate this character and i think that makes dragon age more interesting to talk about in some ways but it does like ken was saying when it comes to seasons like this where both of us are just not vibing with the game I'm trying to use that word now. I don't know if I'm using it correctly. You are. Good job. <laughs> I am, vibe check. The I, youth of word vibe. I'm, I'm the resident senior on this podcast all the time. <laughs> I, I guess that's Ken, true. Ken used an acronym today that I didn't know what it was, and I had to Google it. Which and... acronym? Well, uh, Ken, what was it? You sent it to me in... H-Y-F-R. Oh. I don't know what that... I was like, Heifer? Why is he telling me Heifer for? <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I had to look it up, and I was... And all it was... What was it, like, Hell Yeah fucking real or something? Or Hell Yeah for real or something fucking like right. that? Or, fucking right. Okay. Why do you need an acronym for that? That's, like, four words. <laughs> yeah, but you can shorten it to four letters. Yeah. Yeah, but that just it's, looks It's weird. all as long as the first word now. That's not an aesthetically we- pleasing acronym. That doesn't look good on on paper. On, I'm really on glad to be paper. here for Eric's old man yelling at Cloud moment. <laughs> look, <laughs> all I'm saying is, back in my day, we used to <laughs> we used to You're get a nine job at one company. <laughs> Am I only nine? I'm, I thought I was older, like by at least a year. No, nine I'm months. Thinking of Blake, aren't I? Oh, Blake's we're, a baby. We're both yeah. older than Blake, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's the wee baby um that's enough talking about my age now (laughs) um yeah dragon age as a whole i'm just i mean we still got one more episode to go of it and ken has finally concocted the ultimate punishment for me cheating my way through the fade 
which definitely has nothing to do with the fact that for he says his router can't download witch hunt the dlc my like my 360 um, literally don't, I don't recognize believe that it. for a second <laughs> it, it keeps saying that my password's wrong and i'm like looking at the picture of it like no it's, it's completely right mm-hmm. and i put it in every other device in this house and yet my 360's like whoa what the fuck is this what are you trying to what are you trying to put in me right now and i'm just like i'm picturing ken like unloading a clip into that 360 like he's eric andre and then being like why would xbox do this to me <laughs> i just want to play dragon age why can't i do this luckily i've got legacy uh, for dragon age 2 downloaded already so like i didn't go I, at some point i must have deleted all my origins data because i don't like this game so i had to you know start from scratch and now I don't have the DLC that I bought, but, you know, shit happens. That's why we have Patreon money. Speaking of Patreon money, the thing that that goes towards, thank you to everyone who donates every week to our Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash normdfm. You can head there yourself and donate to us and help keep the lights on and buy more DLC and Xboxes for Ken to shoot when he gets angry with Dragon Age. Uh, we want to especially shout out our... Uh, special donors who donate a certain level to get shouted out every week. So, Kevin Kulikowski, Ginny Wu, Chris Johns, Anthony Mathias, and Colin. Just Colin. Nothing else, just Colin. Thank all of you for donating to the Patreon and to all of our donor, all of our donators. Y'all all rock. Uh, if you don't want to donate to the Patreon, that's cool too. You just head over to twitter.com slash show, and you can follow all of our updates every week as we post our episodes on Spotify and other podcast services. We've got one more episode of Dragon Age Origins to go. We're going to play some Witch Hunt next week, and then we will finally be into the promised land of Dragon Age 2. But, hey, Caitlin, I want to thank yeah. you so much for coming on and talking the mother with us today. Yeah, I'm thanks for having me. Got to get that subject expert in here, that that person who understands. Any last thoughts on the mother? Any last, like, hot mother takes you want to deliver? <laughs> this is the um, last time you get to. I think my hot mother takes are probably too hot for uh, being on a public recording, but um, she's a queen. <laughs> That's all I got to say on it. If you want to read more, you can head over to fanbite.com, where Caitlin wrote an excellent piece about uh, loving... What was it called? The the women. Uh, the... it was called "What the Monster," the video game Monster Girl of Your Dreams says about you. I think. <laughs> yes, that was an excellent piece. I appreciated much of it, and I learned <laughs> a little bit about myself while reading it. Now, as much as I did reading Natalie's piece about what my golden deer romance says about me, that one was a little more eye opening. But... <laughs> <laughs> we learn things about ourselves on Fanbyte. Caitlin, where else can the people find your work? Uh, if you want to find me the person, you can find me on Twitter at CGN8Rs. And if you want to find more of my writing and podcasts and stuff, you can go to uppercutcrit.com. Heck yeah, Uppercut Crit. Love that site here. I've been on it Ken. twice. You've been on it? Yeah, I wrote, yeah. I wrote something. Did, and you then I was sharing on, that with me That was in our regular link sharing? It was like a year ago <laughs> at this point. No, it wasn't a year ago. It would have been like nine months ago at this point. Or about an anthem. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was on the podcast as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. For all of us, for Ken, for Eric, for Caitlin, for myself, 
I said Eric, didn't I? I talked about yeah. myself in the third person. I was going to let myself like go over that, and I wasn't going to let myself do that. For all four of us here, apparently, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week on Normandy. <laughs> We have watched and waited.